Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have an amazing guest in Mr. Justin Donald, author of The Lifestyle Investor. Before we dive in, I want to ask you a real quick favor. Would you mind please taking an extra 30 seconds and heading over to iTunes to rate this podcast with five stars? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. So thanks for making my day with that review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Entrepreneur Magazine calls Justin Donald the Warren Buffett of lifestyle investing. He's a master of low-risk cash flow investing. His ethos is to create wealth without creating a job. Justin is also an avid mobile home park investor. I'm a big fan of chapter five in his book, The Lifestyle Investor, as it discusses mobile home park investing in depth and how he got seller financing and a 36% cash on cash return during his first year on his first ever mobile home park purchase. Uh, Not to discount the 56% cash on cash return with a seller carry on his second. Uh, Justin, we are so excited to welcome you to the show. Well, Andrew, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. And I just love what you're doing. I love this world of mobile home park investing. And I know you're serving a huge need out there for people that want to get in the space, but don't have the time or don't have the know-how and they can work with you and and work with you know your organization. And so I, I just love mobile home park investing in general because I think it's such a powerful asset class, super safe on the downside, you know, protection and and you know it's it's there's very little risk, but the upside is much greater than virtually any other real estate asset class. So just happy to be here. Love it, love it. Justin, maybe you can start out by telling us your story and how in the world you got started investing into manufactured housing communities. Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting story because people always wonder, well, how did you get into that? And the reality is, when I first heard about it, I thought it sounded horrible. <laughs> I was like, what? People invest in this? Are you kidding me? And part of that is like my experience based on you know, a, a, a manufactured housing community down the road from where I grew up. By the way, my parents lived in uh, a mobile home park as well. And so, you know, I, I kind of, uh, I don't have a whole lot of memories of that, but I have memories of them telling me about it. Uh, and so I've been able to drive by and, and, and kind of see that and, you know, see what that kind of looked like for them at that point in time. It was the first home that my parents ever owned. But, you know, for me, I had a friend that, we had always talked about doing real estate together. He was actually one of my top sales guys. And I remember him saying, hey, I'm going to transition from single family homes, which I've been, you know, he'd been doing that for years to mobile home parks because he felt like it was more lucrative, that you get better returns, that it was less maintenance and management. And he said, do you want to go to a boot camp with me? And I said, no, I don't. Not at all. Not in the slightest. But shortly after that, my friend, who is one of my top sales guys at my business at that point in time, ended up saying, hey, I'm going to be moving on. I don't need the income here anymore. My passive income has exceeded my expenses. And so that was like my first eye opener where I thought, wow, you know, I I was thinking single family homes are where I was at. 
I was pursuing I, my next purchase was going to be a three flat in Chicago. I lived in Chicago at that time. And so I kind of like pumped the brakes and said, wow, hold on, tell me about this. And for a while, I had invested just on like the debt side of it. So, you know, I, I would get a return. I mean, technically, I was, I could be considering some equity and some debt, but this was super easy agreement. I'm getting a, you know, fixed return on my dollars. And I was like, oh, wow. Well, getting a 10% return just on, you know, your money, that to me was great. Well, you know, I could work and do my thing. I had a business at that time. That seemed perfect. But then I learned that my friend was actually making at least double that. So I was like, oh, he's making 20%. So he's at least making 10%. I'm making 10%. What if I did that and I made 20%? And I said to my friend, well, why should I give you money if I could just do it myself? And luckily he's a good friend. He goes, you should just do it yourself. So I decided to embark on this uh, journey and I ended up attending a boot camp and learn how to do it. And it was just a great experience. I met some awesome people. And the very first park that I bought created enough passive income that my wife was able to replace her job as a teacher. And it was an easy transition for her to be a stay-at-home mom and to not kind of have the demands of, you know, I would, I would call it a pretty strict schedule, at least, you know, during the season of school. Oh, definitely. Justin, maybe tell us about your first park. I, I assume you attended the MHU Frank and Dave boot camp. I did. Uh, yeah. I've attended it as well. And a lot of other operators have, uh, but maybe you could just tell us about your first park and what that, what that property looked like. Yeah. And I just want to give a major, you know, shout out to Frank Rolf and to Dave Reynolds. Both of them have been incredibly helpful in my journey. And Frank and I have become great friends. I talk to him all the time, just actually had a pretty long conversation with him recently. And he's just a wealth of knowledge, a great resource. So I highly recommend them to anyone wanting to learn more. But that first park, you know, I remember the, so I remember the down payment being a lot, I think it was $65,000. And it was the most money that I had ever spent at one time outside of my business. And it was pretty cool. I mean, with my business expenses, a lot of time I could spread it out over a period of time. So it wasn't like I had these big chunks. So $65,000 is a lot. And I remember having some sleepless nights. Like, what are, what am I thinking? Like, this is, you're just going to put $65,000 into a mobile home park. I mean, come on, this, this doesn't seem smart. I mean, I, I remember like waking up in the night, like, you know, worried and like anxious about that. And then, you know, later my rational mind would kick in. It's like, Hey, you're following a program. This is a blueprint. Other people have done this before you, but I remember these internal battles of like, are you crazy? And then like, Hey, no, this is the, this is the playbook. Just follow the playbook. If someone else can do it, you can do it too. And so I wrestled with that because the first park I bought aesthetically was really unpleasing to the eye. I mean, a very old park, very run down, not well-maintained, just an eyesore. But I just knew that it was the right thing. I knew that was the right move. And I even remember someone saying to me, I would not buy that park. That seems like a horrible investment. And this person was in the mobile home park space. They owned another mobile home park. I'm like, oh, great. Right when I made the decision, I'm going to do it. This is what they're going to say. But I decided to trust my gut and just, you know, I, I relied on the fact 
that, again, if someone else can do it and I copy what they do, then I can at least be a fraction of the, you know, as good as they are at it. And that's really where I took my confidence from. And the reality is exactly that. I just followed a playbook that worked and it worked. That's fantastic. And then I know you went on to buy more than just the first one. You know, how many did you end up purchasing? I know you, in your book, you mentioned you sold some of them. Do you still invest in mobile home parks? Yeah, I I love mobile home parks. I still think it's the best investment in real estate. There's a handful that I, handful of real estate investments I really like. Mobile home parks are the top of the list. You know, today we're a top 100 owner of mobile home parks. I just closed on a five park portfolio just two weeks ago, right at the end of last year. And then I've got a two park portfolio under contract right now. I closed on another one last November. So, you know, within a, let's see, three month time frame. I will close on eight mobile home parks. So yes, I'm actively involved. I really like it. I think that there's really very few better places to invest. Um, My second park looked a little more aesthetically pleasing. It was in a more wooded area with some hills. And there were some homes that didn't look as nice, but overall, like it just, it felt a little bit nicer. And buying that park, with the income from the first and the second, it covered our expenses. So it didn't cover our lifestyle, but what it cost us to live. And, and that was a huge relief for me. It was like, you know, I was walking around with this bag of, you know, maybe a backpack full of super heavy bricks. And once I got our expenses covered, it was like, I could just take that backpack off. I could empty it out and just walk around with a super life light bag because I didn't have to worry about how we were going to pay the bills. Everything was covered. My mortgage, utilities, car payments, you name it, everything was covered. And that felt so good. And I followed that up with our third park purchase. And that one covered our current lifestyle. And, you know, we didn't have a lavish life or anything, but we love to travel and we love to do a bunch of cool stuff. So, I mean, from an outsider looking in, you know, they may say that we had this incredible life. I, I, looked at it as like, Hey, we were always living beneath our, our means, but we did all the things that we wanted to do. And so three parks is all it took for us to kind of cover that quality of life. And then we were able to flip a park in a year and a day. And that park, I ended up getting 105% cash on cash return on that one, one year and one day, and then 1031 into two more parks that ended up producing even more income. And it was just a a real great experience. But inside that that sale, I had a, a huge aha moment because not only did I have 105% cash on cash return, but the delta from which I bought the park and sold the park was tremendous. So I made $500,000 on the sale of that park. And so I had worked really hard all year at my <laughs> business and, and, and really what I did for a living. And I didn't make that. And, and by the way, I, I made a good living. I made a good income, but in one transaction with very little work, I mean, this was so little on the upkeep side of things, so little management. I mean, we're talking not even 10 hours a week and probably five hours a week. I made more than I made slaving away for a whole year. And that was the biggest game changer of them all because I knew I could walk away at that point in time and just focus on real estate and passive income. That is fantastic, man. I mean, kudos to you for, like you said, breaking out of the rat race and being able to 
it, it feels good when you're able to get your your income, your passive income, real estate income to cover your expenses. How long, Justin, have you been in mobile home parks? When did you buy that first park? Yeah, I've been doing it for somewhere between 10 and 15 years. I mean, since I've owned it myself, I think it's been right at 10 to 12 years. Um, oh, wow. I had invested in, in others before. And by the way, I started out slow. It's not like I bought a whole bunch right out of the gates. I mean, if you hear what I did in, in you know the last three months, you might say, oh, my goodness. But I mean, I didn't do that at the beginning, nor did I have the cash to do it. So yeah, I, I, unlike you, I've never raised money to buy a park. I've just always used my own cash. And so I would work hard, I would save, and then I would use that as the down payment. And I'd use leverage where I you know, needed to, and I would try and do seller finance as often as I could. But I think you know, over a short period of time, we were able to replace my wife's income, cover our costs, and then cover our lifestyle. And then from there, every park beyond that was just either increasing our quality of life or just extra cash flow that could be redirected into other investments. And that's really where it gets fun. That's where you, yeah. you move from it being like where you're, you know, trying to earn enough to pay the bills to, wow, money's really a game. I have all this surplus of cash flow. I've got to figure out what to do with it. And it sounds kind of funny, but it, it is a problem. Like when you get too much money coming in, you feel like you have to do something with it. You don't want to just blow it. You don't, for me, I didn't want to just spend it all and, and have this lavish lifestyle that that's, I've never really desired that, but I wanted to be a good steward of that money and make sure that it was going to a good use. Definitely. So, so tell me a little bit more, Justin, about your mobile home park ownership and maybe some of the toughest hurdles that you've experienced. You know, the, the toughest hurdles probably, I mean, if, if I were to say one, it's really just figuring out how to manage them and recognizing that you may have some turnover because the tenant base that you're working with, it's probably a little different than who you work with on a day-to-day -day basis. And so learning how to have a different management style and, and work with people that maybe came from a different background or had a, a, a rougher upbringing or are making, in some cases, considerably less than you are or... Um, are relying on government assistance, there's just a different way to work with them. And I think that at the beginning, I didn't do a good job of picking managers. There was a lot of turnover. It, it was, I, I really had to figure out how to work with them right, maybe even how to select the right people. But once I figured it out, um, there, you know, we've got people that have been with us since day one of purchasing our parks and they are incredibly loyal and hardworking. And we just work with people right there on, on site. You know, we find people that are, you know, meticulous and have, you know, they keep their property really nice. They want a nice community and they're willing to be vocal and make sure that other people are abiding by the park rules uh, and being, you know, uh, good community members. Definitely. Maybe you can elaborate on that. Like, what are some mistakes in mobile home park investing that you've made that we could learn from? Yeah, I think that when you invest in a mobile home park, it's really important to recognize that there are the numbers that exist under that person, you know, that current owner's management. There are the numbers that will exist when you own it initially. And then there will be the numbers that exist once you clean it up and you do what you need to do. 
And so for me, I kind of look at it through three different lenses. What is the return profile based on the way that the park is, the way that it's cash flowing today, the expenses that are in place, the mismanagement often that is going on, which is what you generally get when you buy a park, uh, especially if you buy it from an owner operator who you know, hasn't adjusted rents the way that they need to and hasn't really maintained the property and they're just ready to retire and be done with it. But then where you're at and the way that you're going to do things, cleaning up the property, getting rents to uh, an appropriate level, market, market rent, you know, taking care of roads and trees and the things that most people don't do, trash and, you know, kind of going going the extra mile and making sure the parks look nice, having, you know, a nice fence and a nice sign and, um, you know, some, some flowers and, you know, all the different things. There's some costs in that, but then you have the ability to increase rent. You create a nicer community. More people want to move there. You increase revenues overall because of that. You find the expenses that were unnecessary. You can bundle stuff better, especially as you own more properties. You can save on insurance that way. And so there's a lot of ways that you can increase revenues, cut expenses, and obviously grow profit. And so sometimes I think it's, it's like when you're brand new, you might look at something and you only see it for what it is. I think it's really important to see it for what it could be, what it will be, what you'll transform it to, because you might pay a higher price today with so much competition in every sector of real estate, right? Every area. But if you know what it's worth based on what you do, you might get comfortable paying what market is today. Okay. Yeah. That's some good feedback. Justin, here's a really important question. I ask this to everybody that I interview. What are the most important things that passive investors, you know, we're talking LPs here. What are the things that they need to look out for when investing into mobile home parks? Well, I think that you want an experienced team. So that's one thing I'd say. Does your team know what they're doing? Has your team managed properties before? What is their track record? In addition to that, what is the price point that they're buying the properties for? Are they buying them above market, at market, below market? I mean, I just love when you can buy a park below market because you you've mitigated a whole bunch of risk in that instance. And mobile home parks are one of the few real estate asset classes where you can buy under market because most of the owners are, you know, just moms and pops, baby boomers looking to retire. It's the least consolidated uh, real estate asset class. So you've got 90% of these parks that are, are owned by individuals. Only 10% are, are, you know, institutionally owned. And so, there's this opportunity to be able to talk to someone who has their mindset on a you know certain price that they want and that's it. They get it and they're happy. Often they want to just sell to you based on finding the right person that they like to buy it. There's just so many nuances, but I just think that you know you really want to find a group that knows how to operate, knows how to buy at a good price, and then knows kind of the key things that you do. You, you know, what's the plan? How do you maximize uh, profits? Well, you fill vacant lots, you increase revenue. So you bring tenants in to vacancies. And then, you know, the third thing is you cut expenses. So what is the game plan for that group? And are they accomplishing those three things? So that's, that's what I would look at first and foremost, 
you know, his track record, operations, what, what's their plan? What are they buying this for? What's, what does the pro forma say? And recognize that they're probably never going to hit the pro forma, but most people are, are too aggressive on the pro forma. So figure out what a realistic pro forma is. Maybe cut whatever their pro forma is by, you know, 25%, maybe take 75% of what they say, maybe even take 50% of what they say and see what it looks like. 50% of the increase, you know, is probably the better way to look at it because there's a, a baseline of net operating income that you're coming in at where you know the park is worth a certain multiple based on that net operating income. And so the, the plan is to grow it to X. Well, what's that Delta? Are they going to get all hundred percent of that? Or is it 75% or 50% and, you know, kind of making some decisions based on that. Awesome. Yeah. The jockey uh, matters more than the horse, you know, a, a good operator can make a bad deal good and a bad operator can make a good deal bad. So that's yeah, and great keep feedback. In mind, totally. And keep in mind, if you buy a good park, it's really hard to mess it up. If you buy a park at a fair price and you have certain criteria for what you're going to buy it for, you know, maybe it's a lot of city utilities, so you're not responsible for it. And in many cases, it's direct build. I mean, there's so many ways where you, it's just virtually impossible to lose money. And that's who you want to invest with are the people that can find those deals that, that, that can buy at that price point. To piggyback on that, what does the perfect mobile home park look like in your eyes and why? Well, there's a lot of perfect. I mean, are we talking aesthetically perfect where it looks like a regular neighborhood? You've got sidewalks and you've got these nicely manicured, you know, homes and yards. And you've got the new inventory of homes where they have the pitched roofs and they look like a, a regular neighborhood or regular home. You know, aesthetically, that is the perfect park, a park where you can get agency debt, a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan, 30 years amortized it, two and a half percent, you know. And buy it at a 10 cap, right? Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that right there is like, you know, the perfect park aesthetically. What do I care about more than that? I care about the numbers. So to me, a perfect park is one that cash flows, that has the ability to sustain the debt service on it and has the ability to pay the investors what they need to be paid, or if there are no investors to just pay out uh, the owner uh, a, a really healthy return. So I don't care as much. I mean, some of our parks look really nice. I mean, we've got, we've got one park that is just gorgeous that, I mean, the, the roads are so wide in this park. It's like taking a, a, a four lane highway uh, you know, you know, you you basically have two on each side, like four across, and like that is the road. It's it's gorgeous, but we also have some just hideous looking parks, and our hideous looking parks often are the biggest, best cash flowing parks. So, I care the most about a property that can produce what it needs to, but also to be able to build a community where people feel really blessed to be there, that they've got a great place that they take pride in owning it and the community is safe and it's nice and people want to move in. So part of it is that it's the right fit for the investors, but part of it's the, it's the right fit for the, the homeowners and for the renters and for the people that live in that community, the residents. Definitely. Yeah. Sticky residents are, are key. Uh, just a few more questions here, Justin. 
Maybe you could shed a little bit of light on how you incorporate your whole life policy into your investing. I know you acquired your first mobile home park uh, using that, and and maybe you could shed some light on why you think that's such a, a valuable tool to uh, to your life lifestyle investing. Yeah, I, I just think the world of a great, properly crafted, dividend-paying whole life insurance policy. But what I do need to say as a disclaimer is that most policies are kind of crafted and created very poorly. They're not done in a way that benefits the, you know, the, the investor or, or client or uh, insured. And so if you take something just off the shelf, you know, just a run of the mill type of policy from a run of the mill type of company, it's probably better than not doing it, but that doesn't mean that it's great. I think you want to find a specialist that can create a policy that gives you the ability to have a lot of cash value early on, uh, but not a lot of, I guess, tail to wag that, that, that you don't have, you don't, you're not paying this thing. Some of these policies are 121 year policies where you're paying them until you're 121. I mean, so there is an art and there are very few people that can create a policy that is totally in the best interest of the insured and the purchaser and is actually in the worst benefit of the person selling it, that they make the smallest commission right up front. So I want to just give that disclaimer. You want to find the right person. But when you have that right policy, it's incredible because it acts like a bank and you can borrow against that policy. So I'm not taking my down payment. My very first park was $65,000 down. I didn't take that money out of my policy, but I took a loan against that policy. So my money was still inside my policy growing. So I had a return there, but then I took the money as a loan against it. And I put that as my down payment of my very first mobile home park. So now I'm earning a return on the mobile home park. So I have the same dollars, the same $65,000 that's earning me two different returns. I have a dividend that's paying me about six and a half percent. And then I've got the return on that park. And that first park was uh, a 34% cash on cash return, I believe. Or maybe that was a 36% uh, cash on cash return. And so you know, you add those together, that is just an incredible return profile. And I'm now doing what the banks do, where I am fractional reserve lending, I'm taking the same dollars, getting two returns on it. And in the event that the deal doesn't work out, I didn't lose all my money. In the event that the deal does work out, I've got two returns. So I've, I've exponentially <clears throat> grown my net worth. And I've done that with every single mobile home park we've ever bought. That has been my down payment. It has been a loan from my policy or the way I look at it is it's a bank that serves me. I can borrow against it. Uh, I don't need approval. It's my money. I have access to it. Uh, it doesn't show up on uh, a credit report. I actually don't even have to pay it back if I don't want to. It's, it's my choice whether I pay it back or not. I choose to pay it back because you get even better returns. And it's just a win-win. There, there's no way about it. If you look at the ultra wealthy and you look at the tools that they use, there's a handful of tools that you'll see the vast majority of them using and the right structured whole life policies and, and other life insurance policies are at the top of the list. 
Yeah, I love that. And on top of it, right, the, the added bonus, the cherry on top is, oh, yeah, there's life insurance. You get a death benefit, right? But you oh. use it for the banking. That's I'm with you. I use it for, uh, you know, for the policy loans and, and get the double interest on it. But then on top of that, you have the death benefit. So that's right. it's, uh, it's a pretty awesome investment tool. Anything so ever happens that. to you, you know, you're, you're covered. You're taking care of your family. Because the reality is if, if you die and you're the breadwinner, uh, it's the same thing financially if that's not in place of you just grabbing your stuff leaving in the middle of the night not telling anyone and literally just ditching your family and so i didn't want that financial burden so i like that you know there's the backdrop of it but the interesting thing is i saw the value in these policies before i even you know at that point in time i was single i wasn't even dating anyone i didn't have you know i had my my daughter hadn't been born like i mean i was 26 years old nowhere close to thinking about, you know, marriage or re ready to be married. But I started recognizing that all my wealthy friends, all the people that I aspired to be like, they were using this. And I was like, I want to, I want to do that. I want to use it because I see it for how I can live with it today. The living benefit. Love it. Love it. What do you think the future of mobile home park investing looks like? And, you know, how do you see mobile home parks fitting in with the direction the economy is going? Well, mobile home parks are always in demand. It doesn't matter what happens. If the economy tanks, people need a place to live. Uh, if the economy's thriving, people need a place to live. There's a housing shortage in most cities in the United States. Um, there is certainly an affordable housing shortage and people need this to live. But what you'll notice is in uh, times that are difficult financially, a recession, um, you know, a, a pandemic, a financial, you know, erosion or a 2008, you know, whatever happens, you'll notice that a lot of maybe middle-class type of, of families or, you know, people that are accustomed to maybe renting a single family home will end up in a mobile home park. It is more affordable. They're able to get a lot of what they got there and this is how they can cover the bills. And so, Often your clientele changes a little bit, but you're still full. There, there's still demand. And I think that that's awesome. And when the economy's booming, uh, it's the same thing. So to me, I like a recession-proof type of asset class. To me, this is as close as you're going to get. It's pretty darn recession-proof. Yeah, I, I mean, the future of it is you're not really building more of them. You can, it's hard. It's hard to get the zoning. It's really expensive. I mean, every year, mobile home parks are being redeveloped. So about 100 get redeveloped a year. You're at about 44,000-ish mobile home parks in the U.S. 100 get redeveloped a year. Maybe you're building, you know, 10. 10, uh, yeah. at, at Probably <clears throat> tops. Um, you know, the builds these days are probably more RV parks than mobile home parks. But there's supply and demand just in that you can't rebuild these in most cities. Most cities don't want them. You won't get the zoning. So there's, there's a limited supply. I love investing in limited supplies wherever it shows up. And in this case, this is your most limited supply of real estate. And it happens to be in the highest demand area of real estate, which is affordable housing. Love it, Justin. You know, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know we ran a little bit long, but you know, if our listeners would like to get a hold of you or find out more about the lifestyle investor, what is the best way for them to do so? Sure. Yeah. So anyone can hop on my website for your audience, anyone that wants a free copy of my book, uh, they can go to lifestyleinvestorbook.com. 
and they just pay for the shipping and we'll send a book out to them. So I'll, I'll offer that up. And then for anyone that wants to learn more about what we do, you can go to justindonald.com. Uh, we've got an online course. We've got a master class. I've got a podcast. I've got um, a blog. Uh, I've got a mastermind. So uh, all kinds of really cool stuff. And uh, something else I want to point out is uh, I really like to shine the light on some of the groups that I'm partnered with. And there's this group called Love Justice International that um, fights human trafficking. And they're in uh, 25 countries around the world, just doing great things, rescuing kids. It's, it's incredible. And so all the proceeds of my book go to that organization. And so wherever you buy it, if you buy it on Amazon, if you, you know, get it, you know, on my website, uh, just know that you are taking part in helping a movement that I think is one of the most important movements out there today. So uh, I'm just thrilled to be able to, you know, help and highlight um, an opportunity for people to learn how to gain financial freedom, to break the chains of being a slave to money or uh, success or security and help them live life on their terms, financially free. Uh, but at the same time, I want the proceeds, the dollars to, to buy people's real life human freedoms back, the, the freedoms that they don't have. And, and so I feel very strongly about Love Justice International and just want to be able to make my dent uh, in the world during the time that, uh, that I have influence. I love that, Justin. Last question for you. What news outlets or content sources do you follow to stay up to date with your investment uh, strategies? Most of what I do at this point is I, so I've done a lot of investments. I mean, what I specialize in today is cash flow, right? So the whole idea of lifestyle investing is, um, basically investing in a way that supports the lifestyle that you desire to live. And so I have all these investments that I do, and I find that the best information comes from those uh, groups, from uh, the, the groups that are out there, boots on the ground in the different, you know, the sectors of whatever the industry is, whatever the investment is, whether it be uh, industrial distribution centers, mobile home parks, uh, storage units, single family homes, or maybe it's a whole nother genre of investments, uh, you know, cannabis, hemp, CBD, e-commerce, um, the list goes on and on. But I actually find that the, the best information come from those individuals that are analyzing their market or their sector or their area, uh, their newsletters, like that to me is the greatest content. Uh, I've become a little more skeptical, uh, a little more uh, hesitant to kind of take what I read from these big name publications, um, because I feel like there's often an angle. I feel like it's not accurate. I feel like there are people trying to buy space. And, um, you know, I, I take a lot of those uh, with a grain of salt. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Justin, for coming on the show. Uh, really appreciate it. Thanks, Andrew. Great to be here. So glad that we got a chance to connect. That is it for today, folks. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Hey, are you getting value out of this show? If so, would you mind please going over to iTunes and leaving the show a quick five-star review? I have a goal of hitting over 100 five-star reviews by the end of 2021, and it would mean the absolute world to me if you could help contribute to that. Thanks ahead of time for making my day with your five-star review of the show.